Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar. This is a podcast where you can get the updated and current information on the issues revolving around the sport of boxing. My name is Wilton Henry. My name is Daniel Lee. And my name is Lavelle Jackson. First off, fellas, first and foremost, how was the weekend? And then also, were you able to catch all of the fights that took place this weekend? The weekend was good. The weekend was beautiful. It's it's summer in December, apparently. But um, I was able to get some runs in, so that was cool. And I was able to catch a fight, so it was a nice mix of, you know, my own activity and, and watching some boxing activity. Yes, this weekend was uh, cool for me. Uh, I got to rest a little bit, spent some quality time with uh, the wife and celebrate my four-year anniversary. Um, and, you know, I caught... Uh, majority of the fights, pretty much all of them uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, so it, it was fun field, warm, and, you know, great weekend for me. Congratulations on, on your anniversary, bro. Um, for me, I was watching the Joshua fight. You know, when the when weekend began, like I said, I love when you have all of those boxing events that's taking place on the weekend. And it's just something to look forward to, you know. But as I was watching the Joshua event, I'm not even going to lie. I began to tire out midway through that main event, bro. You know, those UK cars, they kind of, they, they longer than the OJ trial, really. So, <laughs> so I was, uh, I messed around. I got to smoke it on this cigar. And that, that joint had a player out the game. It put the player out the game like five fouls. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but thinking about this week, obviously that Joshua fight, that's the big event of the weekend. Before we get into that also, uh, but anybody that's listening to this broadcast, you can also catch us on YouTube. So if you just go to um, Last Ones at the Bar, you can go ahead and click on there. Make sure that you hit the like button. Make sure that you subscribe so you can catch us there also. But, again, the big event of this weekend, Joshua versus Pulev. Uh, what's your what's your guys' take um, on that event? Uh, first and foremost, um, I'm going to call someone out publicly, you know, um, because as, as you know, we do these podcasts weekly. Um, we do our best to provide the up-to-date information uh, for you as far as recaps. And also we provide uh, predictions. And I believe this Anthony Joshua uh, versus Kaprat Puliv, uh, we, we uh, did our predictions on this fight uh, many weeks ago. Actually, I forgot that, that we actually did it. So I'm gonna call out Leron Stevens publicly, you know, for for not knowing that this fight was going on or even knowing that next week is the, the big Canelo fight. Um, you stick with us, you know, we, we, won't leave, we won't lead you astray. You know, you'll always be up to date. You know, you'll always have your boxing information. Um, you, you can still look on your, the websites you look on, but we have the information that you need. We have whatever you need. Talk to your boys. That's all you need to do. Um, now back to the Anthony Joshua versus uh, police fight. Um, it's interesting watching heavyweights fights today. Today, um, Joshua, you know, he still looks uh, robotic. He looks a little stiff. I mean, he got the job done. And, you know, he he hurt uh, Pulev at, at many times. I was surprised that he didn't step on the gas in the third round. I don't know if he still is having stamina issues or not. But he didn't step on that gas. He could have stopped uh, Pulev uh, a lot earlier. And he um, took his foot off that gas. And then, of course, it came, that knockout came a lot, you know, later. Uh, and, and I definitely like Joshua's uppercuts. But um, I think he still struggles a little bit with his stamina and the confidence in his stamina. Uh, but, it, you know, it was a good win. You know, I believe, um, I mean, he's not anyone, anyone to ride home about, but his resume is respectable. He only has one loss to uh, Klitschko. Um, I, I remember actually watching that fight. So I mean, it was a long time ago. So I, I believe Pulley is actually at the end of his rope. He's older, um, but he hasn't really been beaten up a lot in his career. Uh, so I mean, all in all, it was a good win for Joshua. But I mean, he it seemed like he could have did a lot better, you know, considering uh, he did have Pulley hurt very very early, and 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 he didn't seem to be a, a great finisher. Yeah, when I watched the fight, um, I'm going to start over. 
I, I had no problem with Josh in this fight because as far as taking the fight, because Pulev was a mandatory. And so you can't really be critical with him as far as the fight itself. And the other thing, as far as the announcers are concerned, is that, again, the critique. So Pulev, he's been accused of some really horrible things by women in the past. And you never heard anything about that in this fight as well. So when the fight began, what I noticed early on, um, just as far as the event, I was really impressed with the announcers because they're so supportive of their guys. You didn't hear any derogatory comments about any of the fighters on the car at any point. And so, um, and one comment that they made, they said that Pulev was saying at the press conference or at a press conference is that the boxer can change his style, but a man can't change who he is inside. So it appeared to me that he was thinking that at some point he would be able to take Joshua's heart. Um, he just didn't have the skills the prerequisite skills to be able to pull off the job. I just wish other fighters would get that same type of treatment. All right, now, as far as the fight is concerned, uh, the round-by-round round breakdown, round one, Joshua, he was starting to establish a rhythm. He landed a few jabs. Not much to write home about in that fight, in, in that round. Um, it's pretty much a fill-out round, but I gave it to Joshua 10-9. Round two, Joshua, Joshua, you can still see that he was lacking in confidence, kind of similar to how he fought against Ruiz in their match. But he was, you know, landed some his long jab. So I gave him round two as well. Round three, Josh was still being patient and kind of tentative a little bit. But then he hurt Pulev. Uh, Pulev, I thought the fight was going to be stopped because Pulev turned his back. And then Joshua landed another big right hand towards the end. So that round was like a 10-7 round. Round four, Joshua, again, he was building confidence after the knockdown. Pulev, at the, towards the end of the round, he began to regain his faculties. Round five, another round for Anthony Joshua. Nothing special, though. Round six, Joshua was dancing around towards the end of the round. But again, I couldn't find a way to give Pulev any of those first six rounds. Round seven, Joshua landed three big uppercuts. 10-9, round eight, Joshua. He seemed like he was tiring a bit. And Pulev, he landed a few right hands in that round. And then round nine came. Then Pulev, he started to look like he was tiring. He started to look like he was 39 years old. And so he, um, Joshua landed three more uppercuts. And then he landed the last three uppercuts, put Pulev down. And then right hand, it was uh, what you would call a Reynolds. It was, it was a Reynolds wrap after that. So I think that throughout the course of the fight, that could be a confidence builder for Anthony Joshua moving forward. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's what I saw. So, but good event overall like it was a tremendous event and, and a pretty decent scrap one thing i do want to say as well though joshua is still very vulnerable still vulnerable you know I, it's just like when you watch his fights it seems to me that you're just waiting to see what's going to happen if somebody lands something on him like how's he going to respond to that but outside of that like i said good, great event good fight i don't have much else to add that you guys didn't um AJ looked pretty much how I expected him to look. Um, you know, he looked good. He was patient. He let sort of things come to him when it was time. Uh, much respect to both fighters. Um, I didn't learn anything new about either fighter necessarily um, over the course of this fight. But, um, you know, AJ looked good. His uppercuts um, were, were, were fierce. And uh, they did what they had to do against a guy that, um, you know, typically doesn't get beat up that way, like you guys said. Um, but you know, just like any fight, especially at the elite level, it begs the question: What's next for that fighter? Uh, what do you guys have? Well, I think they were talking about him facing Fury, and we also we broke that down just in case that fight does happen or when it does happen. But I don't see that fight happening next. It looks like Hearn is trying to steer. Joshua into the fight with Usyk. And so I think that that will be next. I would favor Joshua in that fight because I just haven't seen much from Usyk since he's entered the heavyweight division. And so I think that that's going to be next for Joshua. And then maybe later down the road, he'll probably have another mandatory that he'll have to take care of. And then maybe towards the end of the year, if Fury ends up fighting Wilder, he'll end up fighting the winner of that fight. 
Uh, yeah, I, I see uh, a similar thing. I, I can see uh, Joshua uh, fighting uh, Usyk. Um, but at the same time, uh, Uzik says nothing can make him step aside. I believe if they write a big enough check, he'll step. He'll wait for you know <laughs> for another fight. He'll wait one more fight uh, to fight Joshua. So I can I can see a way where that Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fight could actually happen. Um, but it's safe to say that that the way it's going to play out, I think Anthony Joshua is going to fight uh, Uzik and then he's going to fight uh, Tyson Fury. Um, that's how I, I expect it to, to, to likely play out. I mean, of course, those are our, our, our big fights. We know how uh, huge boxing is in Britain and, and Europe in general. Um, uh, they, they haven't allowed UFC to take over yet. So uh, those are still, you know, huge fights. I, I thought about that scenario, too. Sorry to cut you off if you were still talking, but... Um, I feel like in the the COVID era, they you know promoters are less likely to pay that step aside money because the fact that they're they're having these events and they're not able to have as many people at the arena, if at all, um, they're already losing money as is to, to throw these events. I would say they're losing money, but they're making it, they're bringing home less than they would because they don't have the gate tickets. So. Um, that's kind of why that, that's kind of what I factored into to saying what I said. I just wanted to throw that. Yeah, in. and I was going to say on top of that, in addition to what you're saying, you got the lawsuit that Fury is going through. So that's cost money as well. So do you want to pay somebody some step aside money in addition to having to fight that lawsuit where you're losing money there as well? So that's another thing to factor. Well, I believe it'll be Joshua uh, Pan's step side money, not necessarily uh, Fury's team, right? Yeah, it's uh, AJ's mandatory, so they will have to pay that, I believe. Yeah, you're probably right. But, you know, sometimes when you got those um, promoters, um, they would – Well, who would be uh, – you don't even have to put this in that thing. Um, so let me see. Usyk, he's uh, – Joshua's mandatory. No, he's Joshua's mandatory, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Okay. Bro, so Joshua's with her, and then – which column is with uh, Aaron, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why uh, I was thinking in terms of both sides coming together in order to make the fight. So could they, with both promoters, actually try to you know get Usyk out the way so that they can make the fight? That's what I was thinking. Who's Usyk's promoter? I don't know, but he's on mm-hmm. his own, right? Yeah, I don't know. It, it probably would be Hearn or somebody like that. And I think yeah. that that, was, that would just make more sense for them because they can keep the money in house. Yeah, so my head already hurting. So <laughs> I think about who's promoting who. So uh, yeah, that's, it's unfortunate that you have to think about those things before these fights are made. Yeah, it's like dudes are right in the same weight class, and it's like, well, they really can't aren't gonna fight each other because he's with that promoter. And he's, you know what I mean? Like it's unfortunate we have to deal with that now, but that's the state of boxing right now. No, sure, sure, definitely. Uh, so moving along, we had an, an, another uh, main event that happened uh, last night uh, with one of the fighters that you know I'm very very high on. Uh, we saw uh, uh, Olympian Shakur Stevenson versus uh, Toka Khan Clary. Uh, now, what are you guys' uh, thoughts on that fight last night? Shout out to Stevenson. It's always good to see him in the ring and um, physically. He's really starting to come into his own, you know. He's filling out at 130. Um, and, you know, he had a very effective jab. He had very good movement. Um, I know a lot of fans probably wanted to see the knockout, but I thought he was very dominant um, in the win. And, you know, he, he made it look easier than, than I imagined it was. I, I had it 190 in the, in the fight. And so... Um, yeah, he looked good. I'm interested to see. Uh, he, you know, he's calling out some 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 names. So I'm interested to see who he fights next. Yeah, I thought it was a a pretty dominant performance. It went the way that I thought. Um, I had him winning every round. Not only that, he, he pretty much won. He pretty much won every second of, of every single round. Um, 
to a point where 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 the the pace was just the pace was was making what, what was making the fight boring. It wasn't exactly the action because you know Stevenson was putting it on him. He was doing what he wanted to do, uh, but it was the same pace. You know, Toka Clary didn't have anything for him. The 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 the, the most entertaining part about that fight was the back and forth between <laughs> Andre Ward and Tim Bradley. You know, where where Ward caught Bradley a negative Nancy, which is hilarious. I, I think those two probably need their own show <laughs> just to talk about boxing every week. <laughs> it's not like they'll be uh, funny. But shouts out to Stevenson. We, we, he called out a lot of names. We tell he's not afraid of anyone. Um, he said he wants uh, Richley Berchet at the, at the end of the year, uh, 2021. To me personally, I, I, I would rather see him fight someone like Tank uh, because it's, it's time to get the um, like for example, uh, Will, you brought up something very key about you know the support of how uh, the UK support their fighters. But one thing I'll say that a lot of other places like UK and uh, Mexico and they do those guys fight each other coming up. They have their own to a point where UK even had their own belts. But a lot of those guys will fight each other coming up. You know, it's it's no it's almost like American fighters in a sense. They have this back alley deal, like, you know, um, I'm a slick American fighter. You're a slick American fighter. We'll just face some comfort guys until the fight for us to fight is bigger, you know, and, and they kind of, you know, not very keen on getting in the ring with one another. Because to be honest, all these guys, you know, have sparred one another. Shakir Stevenson has sparred with, you know, every, everyone from, from, uh, Everyone from Devin Haney to to you know uh, Terrence Crawford to to guys not even in his weight class. I mean, um, he's he's sparred with Sean Porter. So for for a lot a lot of those guys to not want to get in the ring one another and say I want to fight a come for guy, you know, it's kind of weird per se because a lot of those fights could make a lot of money and they're very interesting to watch. I like personally, I like fights against two slick fighters. So. Um, but yeah, you know, it was a great performance by Shakur Stevenson. Yeah, I think on those guys, um, in their defense, I think they are the top, the cream of the crop. And some of those other fighters in other um, countries, they're not, you know, and they would. And so you probably are thinking along the lines of if I'm going to fight somebody that talented, I want to do it for the biggest person I possibly can make. So why would I fight him? You know, and we're both coming up as opposed to a huge, a huge event. But as far as the fight is concerned, Stevenson, I mean, man, I'm telling you, to me, it was a close fight for like the first minute and 30 seconds until Stevenson hit him. <laughs> as soon as he hit him, he, he rocked him a little bit. After that, it was all Stevenson and Clary just went into like a survival mode. What I like about Stevenson is what I've been mentioning about him, but he looks like he's getting a little bit stronger. He's sharper, technically gifted, um, much more so than Clary. And, you know, he did some really good work to the body. Stevenson is pretty much world-class in every category except power, you know. Um, good, solid victory. Sky's the limit for for Shakur, um, you know, because he hasn't reached the ceiling just yet. So, like you said, the big thing for me, big takeaway is the guys that he's calling out. So he said first he wants the winner of Jaime, um, no, it's Carl Frampton and, and Jamel Herring. So those guys are getting up there in age. I know Frampton is 33, Herring is 35, Herring is 5'10". I think Frampton is about 5'5", but I think he would easily defeat those guys. But the big fight is that Miguel, I think it's Burchette, uh Shelt fight. And that guy right there, that, that's going to be a tall order right there because what he does have, he's 5'7", but he has some really long arms. He's, he has 71-inch reach, and I think Shakur has like a 68-inch reach. And But Bichette, that's a big puncher right there. He throws some beautiful uppercuts. Um, so And he's 37-1 with 33 knockouts, so you can see that he does have world-class power. So that would be a, a huge matchup. That would be a good event. Um, but that you will see if Shakur is really – like a pound for pound caliber type fighter, if he can defeat somebody like that. So, but he's looking to do that towards the tail end of next year. But, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing more from my main man from Brick City. 
The next fight that we're going to cover is Edgar Berlinga, the knockout artist. Yesterday he faced Ulysses Sierra. What's your what are, what is um what are you guys take on that fight? Uh, what fight? Because I missed it. <laughs> That's how quick it was. It was funny. I was switching back and forth between this and another fight. And I turned back and I'm like, this fight's over. And I knew I was going to miss it. But I thought I probably might have a, you know, a, this might last longer than two minutes. So I had to rewind it back. And what can I say about Edgar Berlanga? I mean, the guy, um, punching power is incredible. I mean, it, it, it's incredible. Um, he stopped everyone he's he's been in the ring with. And, you know, in the first round, no one has made it out of the first round. What's interesting is that he wants to make it out of the first round. So that part is interesting. I think this is the time that he – when you have a situation like that, what you have to do is maybe he needs to step up. I mean, uh, his team should put him in those fights where he can get those rounds in. If it's not some, you know, pretty good fighter, they should put him in there with someone who uh, has a track record of not being stopped, you know, someone who has a, a iron chin and see how he, he does with that. You know, he needs different looks. Maybe he needs someone that's slicker, you know? So, um, he's definitely someone to watch. I mean, he's definitely incredible. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. He has some devastating power. And I think we all know that at this point in time, but I think what they're doing is they're doing a disservice to the young man by keep feeding him guys that can't stand up to his punch, you know, incrementally get him some better opposition. Hopefully within the next maybe two or three fights, he, he, I wouldn't take somebody like a Caleb Truex right now, but I would put him in there maybe two or three fights from now. Like I said, that's a disservice because you, you are, giving him a false sense of being invincible. And so what's going to happen when you end up putting him in there with somebody else who can punch? Does he have a chin? What is his stamina like? So you got to give him some stiffer opposition, somebody that's much more durable than the guys that he's been facing. But, you know, like I said, he did what he had to do. He did what he was supposed to do. But some of the things that he was saying in the post-fight interview talking about some, he was alluding to the fact that he's better than guys like Canelo. You know, saying I'm a real man and all of that. I'm a real dude. And come on, man. Like, it's a little too early for all of that. I understand the confidence, but, you know, pump your brakes. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing as you, basically. I mean, you know, uh, he's had all all first-round knockouts up to this point, 16-0. and 0. Um, And looking at the bottom half of the top 10 at 168, I think this version of him – and like you said, in about two or three fights will be the the power or the strength of the power alone. He would give like most of them issues with that. Um, but you don't want to get him in here too early because he hasn't really been into any kind of water yet. He's only he's only put his toe did this toe in the water up to this point. Um, but in you know in like another two fights, I could see him against like maybe a David Lemieux with David Lemieux still fighting. Um, or somebody like that, but um, yeah, top rank needs to stop feeding them the the these uh, with all due respect with the water to, to keep with the water reference. Need to stop feeding them the the guppies and give them some some bigger fish to see what he's really made of. Stop, stop feeding them um, taxi cab drivers. <clears throat> Shout out! Shout out to taxi, <laughs> taxi cab drivers. You know what I mean. <laughs> I'm being disrespectful to you, but that's <laughs> come on, man. That level of opposition, you got to step it up. Yeah, and, and they they know what they're doing too because they're giving these guys with 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 good records that you know they mm-hmm. haven't been stopped before. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, all right, it, it's you got to you got to bring them along now. Agreed. Uh, moving up to the cruiserweight division, uh, we had Lawrence O'Coley, a British fighter. Versus Nicoderm Jazuski. Uh, you guys catch that one? What did you guys think? Yeah, that was another quick one. That was another fight that ended early. Um, Okoli, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Michael Grant, the heavyweight back in the day. He's tall. Um, he tries to keep a, keeps a, a distance between him and his opponent. Nice jabs that he was throwing. Good body shot, knocked down his opponent yesterday. And every time, and the announcer kept saying that when he would touch his opponent, 
in the head that he would short circuit him. It was like every time he would hit him, it would be like he would have like a little seizure. And I'm not trying to be funny. Like he literally was just disoriented like that. And so that was kind of um, tough to watch, you know, but it was a good victory. I think that opponent that he had or was facing was a replacement. So he looks like he's a pretty good fighter. I just don't know what the level of opposition. That's the only time I've seen him. But he has something that he's working with. He's a, he's a tall kid, 6'5 for the cruiserweight division. So I just like to see more of him. I just really couldn't really get a good gauge yesterday just based on the level of his, his opponent. Yeah, it's another one of those, those you know, we're in weird COVID times, right? And so uh, Jazuski was the last minute replacement. He was supposed to fight Glavosky for the title, but Glavosky tested positive with COVID. Um, this was my first time watching him as well, but he has a lot of things going for him. He was a Olympian in 2016. He's six foot five, which is that that's, you know, if you can leverage that in the cruiserweight division, that's going to get you far. Um, he has that UK fan base. And so, you know, he has a lot of, he has a lot of upside. And so, um, you know, he got two knockdowns in the first and then he finished them off in the second round. And so, you know, he has that star potential, but we won't really know until he gets that title shot. So hopefully, you know, hopefully things begin to calm down soon in terms of the pandemic and, you know, he gets the whatever champion he faces, if, if it ends up being Glavosky again, hopefully both of those guys can stay safe so we can see what he's really made of. But, you know, I thought he moved good. There were times where he, he fought smaller, but it was a purposeful, uh, purposeful move on his part. Uh, kind of bending his knees as he as he stood in there, uh, but he has a lot to work with. He got some for him. Yeah, um, yeah. This this was a good fight. Uh, like you will, I was kind of concerned about you know those punches that uh, Jasuski was taking. I mean, when he was hurt that second time, it was like I mean it, it was scary and funny at the same time. It was almost like he was dancing like Michael Jackson. When he got caught. And he kept doing that, and it was like it was kind of spooky, like because you don't want to see. I mean, of course, we're fans, and we like to be entertained by, you know, boxing and people getting knocked out. But you never want to see anyone get hurt. And if you've seen, you know, if you've been watching boxing long enough, you've seen this happen where fighters are hurt, and it's never a a good thing. So um, those reactions that he was having was 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 very strange, you know. Uh, so I was, that was one of the fights when it was stopped. I was, I was glad it was stopped. You know, it probably was stopped a little too late. Uh, but a he's, you know, tall guy, you know, six foot five, long reach. Using, he, he actually fights small. He, he uses his jab. He's not like, um, who we were talking about last week with, uh, Lozada who, 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 you know, fights bent down and throwing hooks in sloppy. Akoli, even though he been, you know, he bends his, his his legs and he uses that reach, he uses that long reach and has a great jab. And it'll be interesting to see him as his career uh progress. So moving right along, um, we had another uh heavyweight fight last night uh on the undercard uh of Joshua versus Pulev. Uh we had um Hui uh, Fury versus Marius uh Watch. Uh, what are you guys' uh, thoughts on on this fight? You know, so we had uh, Huey, who's the cousin of Tyson Fury. I had seen him fight um, against, I think it was Joseph Parker that I saw him fight against, and he lost that fight. And, you know, I noticed that he's only had three losses. He's 25 and three, uh, 26-year-old guy. So, um, you know, I noticed that he holds and, and moves a lot more versus the elites, but... Uh, you know, fighting Watch, he he really was more aggressive. I thought he he went for it. Um, and and Watch is a big guy. That guy was was husky, you know. But uh, you know, he he's a solid fighter overall. He can switch to southpaw. Uh, he he looked good. I still don't know how I see. You know, the only thing that I have with Fury is that um he just every time he steps up he just doesn't do as well and kind of switch up his strategy in a way that doesn't benefit him um and so i don't know how i see him faring against the elites as he as he continues in his career but you know he's definitely gonna have a, a, a solid career at heavyweight i would say 
and he's already had a solid career at heavyweight. So, um, uh, this fight to me it wasn't for me personally. It wasn't much to ride home about. I thought it was kind of like, uh, and it's maybe my my uh, um, problem with heavyweights today. You know, it was very sloppy. You know, uh, Henry Fury. I mean, of course. Um, he fights a little bit. He's like he's like a, a sloppy version of Tyson, you know, in a way. He throws lots of hooks, but he's very, very those both of them together, him and Watch were very slow. And it was like watch these punches in slow motion. Maybe because I was, you know, watching that fight and I watched a lot of fights with guys who were of lighter waist than that. That might have been it. But even then, the, even the Joshua fight seemed to be a faster pace than this fight. I mean, this fight was very, very uh the hooks they were throwing, it was like um, yeah, five foot two could probably throw a punch right through the middle of that, you know. So it was very, very slow. Um, and 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 maybe it's just my issues with heavyweights where where they seem either too sloppy or they just throw three punches and they get tired. Uh, the condition just doesn't seem to be there for me. Yeah, my recap of the fight it was a hundred to ninety. To me, I can see a 99, 91, maybe uh, botch one, one round. Uh, you know, when I started watching the fight, I, I, I saw Fury fight against uh, Joseph Parker also. and But that was a while ago, and I couldn't remember what uh, Huey Fury looks like. And so when I initially watched the fight, I thought botch was Fury because he looks more like Tyson Fury, like his body frame and everything. And so after a while, I, you know, after the announcers were talking and whatnot, I figured out that actually Fury was the smaller guy, even though he's six six. Fox is just so huge. But uh, Fury, yeah, he got cut in the fourth accidental head, but but he cuts a lot in his fights. Uh, I think he has good movement for a heavyweight. He was um, cycling or circling the ring, a decent jab, switches from lefty to righty, and so I think that was a pretty decent victory. Stay busy fight. And so I think he's moving forward to possibly fighting Marco Huck for the European belt um, next. I just think that the elite guys, he's not going to fare well against those elite guys. And he should consider that weight division below heavyweight, that Bridger weight class. I think that he might be better suited to fight at that weight as opposed to against those big, huge heavyweights. Because I don't see him being able to do anything with a Joshua, with a Wilder, with a Fury, but he's not going to fight Fury since they're related. Um, or even an Andy Ruiz or uh, Ortiz. Like th Those guys are just would be just too much for him. But solid victory. So our next fight was a barn burner. You had Felix Verdejo versus Nakatani. Uh, what do you guys think about that fight? Uh, this fight, I thought this fight was over – in a, in a, uh, after the second knockdown when uh, Rodejo knocked uh, Nakatami down. <laughs> I was like, uh, this fight is not going to last long. Uh, I believe that was a, the first round, um, first or second round. Uh, I was like, this fight is not going to last long. Uh, Rodejo is going to you know, eventually win. But, boy, I was wrong. But I like being wrong, especially about a fight like that. I mean, it was, it was definitely a, a bomb burner. Um, Rodejo overall actually looked like he was the better fighter than Naka, uh, Nakatumi uh, most of the way. Um, Nakatumi, uh, similar to the Jizuski fight, I didn't like the way he was looking when he was getting hurt and when he was taking punches. It was like something to uh, be concerned about. And I'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, but Verdejo, um, um, to, to think that he lost to uh, Antonio Lozado, but I see why. I see how now, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he took one to me risk, and and uh, Masi Yoshi uh, Nakatami, he caught him, and and once Verdejo was hurt um, late in the fight, uh, it was only a matter of time, and, and eventually uh, Nakatami uh, closed the show. Uh, but it, it, Nakatami just seemed. It, it, I was getting some weird vibes, even in the post-fight interview when he had the interpreter. I don't know if it was the, the way the interpreter was trying to, you know, answer the questions or the way uh, Nakatami was was uh, presenting his answers. But it seemed like he was uh, a little bit too disoriented and confused. You know, maybe just me and being paranoid. But 
it, it, it was a weird thing, but still, you know, shout out to uh, Naka, Nakatumi. It was a, uh, a pretty uh, decent victory. And I must say, these lightweights, man, they look they look huge. I mean, those two guys, like, they were, they were like, 150 plus or 155 pounds when they were in the ring, you know. Um, you look at them and guys like uh, Tiffany Lopez, I'm like, these guys are just boiling, boiling down, you know. They're, they're huge guys, like, to a point where I couldn't really, just off first look, I couldn't really sense what weight class they were fighting in. <laughs> they seem a lot bigger than they were. Um, but it was a good victory. Yeah, I thought that this fight between Verdejo and Nakatani, that was this was either the best fight that I saw this weekend or the fight that we're gonna review next was the best fight. Uh because they, they went neck and neck. Man, this was a really, really good bout. Uh Felix Verdejo out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, twenty seven years old. Now he's twenty seven two with seventeen KOs, five nine. Nakatani's pretty tall at five eleven. Now he's 19 and one with 13 knockouts, but he has some, he has some, some um, pretty good power, pretty strong. And Nagatani was coming off a 17 month layoff as well. So we got to uh, factor that in to how he was looking in that fight. Now I'm going to say this, that in, in fights, there's a saying that if you can take a better punch than your opponent, then basically you are the puncher in that matchup. And so I think that that holds true for what we saw in this fight. But just as a quick round-by-round round breakdown, round one, um, Verdejo landed a vicious right hand, and he knocked down Nakatani. So I gave him the first round, 10-8. Second round, 10-9. I mean, Verdejo was landing some nice left hooks and occasional right hands. And he was setting up Nakatani with some pull counters. Then once it came to the third round, Verdejo, he started big right hand to start the round, and he landed some more huge right hands. Another 10-9 round. But at that point, I was like, this is a technical mismatch. Like, it's not good. Like, I, I didn't see this fight going a distance, but I also didn't see it going the other way. There's no way in the world the way Verdejo was just, like I say, he's just technically superior. So round four comes around. Nakatani was down again with a huge right hand. He, like I say, Verdejo just kept setting him up with that pull counter. Um then towards the end of the round, Verdejo began to box more, but that was obviously a 10-8 round for Verdejo. Fifth round, um, Verdejo, he was loading up um, at the beginning. So that, that's something that he he was probably to his detriment, that he was landing, um, that he was loading up so much. The announcers were saying that that tires you out when you try to throw big right hands and not just let it come to you. Round seven, um, that's when thing, the tables turned. And Nakatani, he landed a one-two, and Verdejo didn't take it well. And that was like a big round for Nakatani. Still 10-9 round, but it just, Verdejo, he was pretty much in the days after that exchange. Um, round eight, Verdejo was still groggy. Both of them were hurt, though. He hit Nakatani and hurt him in the round. But that was another round I would say I would give to Nakatani. And then the ninth round, Verdejo still was unsteady. Then he got dropped by a heavy jab. Um, then he, he got hit by a heavy jab, went down, and then he got up. Nakatani hit him with a right hand and basically blew out his candles. And that was all she wrote. Good night, Irene. Huge comeback for Nakatani. But in the process, he suffered, uh, I think his orbital bone was broken. And like you said, in a post-fight interview, he didn't sound too, too um, hot. So hopefully he can come back. Because even just with the orbital bone injury, if he comes back, he's going to be out for another long period of time. He's going to have another long layoff. But also, after taking so much of a beating throughout that fight, will he will he be the same? You know, um, Verdejo. And this the interesting thing is in recent years, this is like the second. No, this is the third bout that I've seen in recent years where somebody either gets dropped by a heavy jab or they end up getting stopped with a jab. And so I, I recall the Banana Rosario fight with Jamel Charlo when he got stopped. And then Anthony Yard got stopped by Kovalev. And so this is another case where um, somebody was hurt or stopped with a jab. But Verdejo, he's going to be tough like for anybody to face that first five rounds. But after that, it seems like he he fades. And then the other thing about him, Nakatani never really landed anything flush. 
Like he never really caught him like that, but he was doing some devastating damage with the punches he did land. So you got to question um, Verdejo's chin. But I like to see him come back. Man, that was a tough loss, but he seems like a good kid. He tried to do the best he could to put himself in a situation to win a fight. It just didn't work out for him. But excellent fight. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check that fight out. Definitely a great fight with with two warriors and a great breakdown. I don't even think I can even add to that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't have anything of value to really add to that. But um, you know, I, I think Verdejo is still uh, still has a, a bright future. I hope um, the damage that Nakatani has suffered in the act of winning isn't anything that's going to alter his career because uh, he has a potentially bright future as well. Uh, did you ever has there anything else? Well, we can fight? go on and on about that fight. But just that, <laughs> yeah. that art that Nakatani <laughs> showed, and see, that's what I was saying in that fight with Dubois. Remember, like he ended up quitting, and it's understandable. Like if if you just take it as someone who has a broken orbital bone and they quit, you know, you can understand that. But I'm just used to like fighters not being the ones who quit. You know what I mean? It's just more somebody else coming to their rescue and they're they having that spirit that I'm going to continue until somebody stops this fight. I'm going to keep fighting. And so I just know that Nakatani showed that he's not ever going to quit in a fight. You can tell he has that warrior spirit. Much respect to him, for sure. But um, you, you did a good job of introducing this one as well in your previous breakdown. But uh Coming up next, we have uh, Chris Colbert versus Jaime Arboleda. Uh, how'd you guys see that one? Oh, man, this is another goodie. This, this is another good fight. You had um, Arboleda, if that's how you pronounce his name, I apologize. And then you had Chris Colbert or Chris Colbert. I like to call him Tyreek Hill. That's what he looks like. Um, but, man, very good. Probably one of the top prospects that we got out here, man. Brooklyn, you got one right there. And so I like him because when he enters the ring, he has that confidence. He has that swagger. He's calm. He's poised. He's able to go from lefty to righty, a good switch hitter, very athletic, good defense. Um, you know, in this fight, he's, he's 15 over six knockouts. I think his knockout ratio is kind of deceptive. He's becoming a little bit more of a power puncher. Um, than he was in his earlier in his career because this is the second out of his last three fights this is the second ko in his last three fights so that's and he's increasing the level of his opposition but it seems like he's sitting down more on his punches but he has good defense um just a real quick breakdown of the fight was that second round he, he hurt his opponent but i'm gonna tell you now this fight and the nakatani fight you can make an argument either way of which was the best fight of the weekend, but the best round of the, I would venture to say the year was that ninth round between these guys. Oh my God. Back and forth action. These dudes were slugging it out. And then finally, uh, Colbert ended up knocking his opponent down. Uh, but man, that was some good stuff. If you don't get a chance, you don't see anything else for this fight. Check that ninth round out. And then once it came to the 11th round, Cobra uh, dropped um, Arbadello down. Arbadella, if that's how you pronounce his name, I apologize again. He dropped it three times. But I'm going to tell you like this. The only thing that was disappointing, I think, uh, Vail, your boy Steve Willis, I think he might need to be suspended. <laughs> he waited a little too long to stop that fight. I think after either the first or second night, now you had to have stopped that fight. Because it was at one point before Cobra knocked him down for the last time. Uh, the, his opponent just went back to the ropes without even being hit. And so I was like, come on, man, stop this fight. And so luckily, it doesn't seem like he sustained any like injuries that can be harmful to him for the rest of his life, but he certainly could have because that was a brutal stoppage. But great fight. I'm looking forward to seeing a Colbert fight against some of those other elite fighters at 130. I would love to see him fight against uh, What's my man's name that we just talked about? Rashid. Rashid. Mm -mm. Stevenson. 
Stevenson. I would love to see that. That, that, That'd be two technically sound fighters going at each other, and they both are very confident. They bring things to the table that each other will give each other trouble. But I think that that'll happen later on down the line, and plus the promotional issues that will be in the way of that, that they probably, the promoters probably will want to do it if they have to do it later on in their careers. But excellent win, good fight. They're bringing him along the right way. You know what I mean? Like I say, incrementally, keep giving him tougher and tougher opposition. And like I say, he's another guy that sky's the limit. Okay, moving right along. Um, of course, the the biggest event, you know, that's been happening this year was the the Mike Tyson versus uh, Roy Jones Jr. So uh, along coming out of that, uh, we have potential for another, you know, exhibition fight that could be the event of next year. Um, we have uh, Floyd Money Mayweather versus Logan Paul. Uh, what are you guys' uh, thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Um, Arboleta was definitely game, but, uh, you know, you, you could tell that Hobart made the fight more interesting than he had to, uh, just the way that he was, was carrying it. Uh, but he has some real good hand speed. He can switch to southpaw. He has a lot of the tools. He has the attitude. Um, he wants to put on for his city, for his borough, and he, he wants to be a great fighter. Um, that said, um, as I was scoring the fight, I kind of had the fight itself closer than, than you know, um, than most. Um, you know, because he had the point deducted in the seventh or the eighth, I believe. And um, the, the round that he got the knockdown, the following round, I thought, Arboleta had actually otherwise won that round, but he got knocked down, so I had a 9-9. So there were two two rounds that I had 9-9. Um, but, um, you know, I had a 96-93 overall. And um, I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, he, he's calling out, you know, Tank and all of them already. Um, I would like to see him step up a competition to – to where he's actually forced to box. You know, you could tell most of the fight he was kind of showboating and he was kind of, uh, you know, sort of trying to wait, waiting for something and it kind of cost him some rounds. So I want to see how he fares against a fighter that makes him, that, that brings the best out of him before I see him against someone like a tank or anything. But very, very good fight, though. Kid has a bright future. I'm looking forward to see where he goes. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Uh, it was one of the best fights of the night. Um, I'm, I've been very high on, you know, Chris Colbert. Um, uh, I've seen, you know, a few of his fights. I think this is one of the most exciting fights that I've seen him in. Um, it, it seems like he made a conscious effort to stand and trade. And at times, I was kind of upset. Like, why is he making this fight harder than it has to be? Like, uh, he can, you know, he, he's... Up to this point, he's shown himself as a you know a stick and mover and, and pop you in and move away, but just like someone at the, in his weight class, Stevenson, he's you know gotten a little bit of criticism for you know not having power, and even though he has pop, he wasn't showing a lot of uh, you know knockout power. So um, as a mitigation, he's been trying to step on it a little bit more and stand and trade and fight a little bit more flat with it. Uh, and in a way, it made the fight exciting, and it showed another facet of his game. Uh, and it definitely won a lot of fans. He probably won her a lot more, uh, being that he was showcased on Showtime. Um, whether uh, whereas before that, uh, he was just fighting on undercards. Um, but at the same time, if uh, if his career progressed and he fights some of them, you know, them heavy hitters in his weight class, he's going to have to rely more on, you know, his movements. Um, so as for where he goes from here, you know, um, I think he, it, he can step it up a little bit more and, and fight better competition. Obviously, he's calling out guys like Stevenson and um, Santa Cruz. I actually think Santa Cruz is a decent step-up fight for him. Um, Stevenson is a great fight. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily ready for Steve. I think Stevenson is something, you know, he that that'd be hard for him to overcome, but I'd still like to see it. You know, I, I don't even think he's. I think he's a uh, um, Chris Cobert versus Tank would be a great fight. They're both with PBC. I mean, you know, Tank is still at 
he has a 130 strap. He just fought at 130. He's kind of bouncing between 130 and 135. Uh, he can decide to take some fights at 130, or he can stick at 135. You know, there, there are great fights for Tank at both. But in an event that he wants to fight a few more fights at 130, I think Chris Cober, you know, is a great fight. You know, uh, I would I would love to see a fight like that. And, you know, and and see Chris Cober against someone who has the power to put him down, and see Tank against someone who who is a lot slicker than he is. You know, it it'd be a great fight. You know, um, so it was a great night of boxing. Uh, like you said, Will, that ninth round was round of the year. You know, it's memorable. If, if listeners, if you haven't seen it, yeah, check that check that fight out. You know, it's a great fight. Uh, that was kind of Chris Cobra's coming out uh, party, and I love to see more of them. Um, uh, you guys have any more, any further thoughts on that? No, maybe uh, Colbert. I'd like to see him fight somebody like, uh, let's say, somebody like a Tevin Farmer or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just like I say, man, you know those guys. They they are being matched. Well, he is like they putting him against good competition people he should beat but at the same time if he's not on his game then they can defeat him and so that's how you want to match those guys i like what i see so far um this is one of those fights where so from a business perspective you know if it makes dollars it makes sense and you know seeing how successful that uh you know the tyson and and jones jr pay-per-view was i could see where from a promotional standpoint um, you know, they will want to ride kind of those coattails and, and profit off of it. Uh, from a boxing standpoint, um, I'm not excited to see it. The only thing that makes it somewhat intriguing is is uh, Logan Paul's size. I believe he's, what, six foot, six two, something in that range. And, and um, around 200 pounds, I imagine, uh, from what I read a little bit ago. Um, and Floyd's, you know, naturally smaller. I believe he's about five seven, five eight. Uh, walks around almost welterweight status as it is. But you know, you have a boxer against a YouTuber who's, you know, one of the greatest boxers of all time against a YouTuber who's who's boxed for a few years now. And um, it's interesting to me because, you know, casual fans and and you know even non-casual fans complain about Floyd Mayweather towards the tail end of his career having boring fights because of, you know, he's more so defensive. And it's like, okay, if you thought he was boring against defensive, like, professional boxers, how do you think this fight's going to look? But, um, you know, of course, people would tune in, and so uh, we'll see how it goes. From a boss standpoint, I'm not excited about it, but, um, you know, it'll be a spectacle for sure. Well, I think Floyd is just you know, he's enjoying the fruits of his labor. He put in the work, you know, and so he had an illustrious career and his name still rang bells. He's probably still the most popular fighter in boxing right now as we speak. And so, you know, he can do these type of showcases or exhibitions and he's going to make a, a pretty good dollar off of that, you know, pretty penny off of that. And so I'm not mad at him from that standpoint. It's the other guys who I think, are benefiting from what guys are not doing in the sport, you know, and I can't, you know, harp on this point enough that you have fellas who are not fighting each other. They're right there. You got the Crawford, you got the Spence, you got um, Lopez, and then you got Haney, you got Tank picking and choosing, you got the Cash Collin boxing picking and choosing fight fighters that he's uh, he wants to fight. And so I think that that is opening the door for this type of, not necessarily Floyd. I think Floyd would do this with whoever and be able to, because, you know, people just, his name, as soon as they see his name, they're going to click on something. They're going to buy something. And because they want to see him lose, they want to see what happened. They just want to see Floyd. You know what I mean? So like I said, not necessarily him, but it's the other guys who come back that will have big events of Tyson and and Jones. Uh, De La Hoya come back. If he comes back, then it's going to be a huge event as well. And I don't think that would be the case if you had, you know, fighters actually doing what they were supposed to do. And then their name would be like recognized like that. And then maybe if they were doing that type of stuff and made themselves to be 
like the marquee name in a sport by doing it the right way later on in their career they probably can do some things like that like as they get older i don't even see any guy out now with the exception of maybe canelo who might be able to come back when he's like old and do something like this but they're just not putting in the work with their household names like that to the masses but you know as far as the event is concerned it's going to be interesting just based on the fact that logan paul is so much bigger than floyd and so you know just that you know look that you're going to see like just on the screen visually you're going to be like dang what's going to happen like can he really beat floyd but you know at the end of the day in boxing skills pay the bills you got a professional fighter fighting against somebody who's a youtuber it's not going to work out well for the youtuber um but that's pretty much all i have on that fight uh my take on it is you know um not necessarily a fight as a as a boxing fan. Not necessarily a fight that I'm uh, excited about. Um, I do look at it from a different angle of like, okay, if this is what we're doing, uh, let's go hard with it. And you know, a little bit on that later. Um, we got Floyd Mayweather. You know, he's he's been out of the ring for 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 a few years. He only has some exhibitions. Um, he's a lot smaller than than Logan Paul. Logan Paul is. About 180 pounds, a little bit more. Uh, he's a six footer, um, and there's no talk of what this weight weight is going to be at. There, it's almost like they're stating that they're just going to come in and fight, and it's going to be an exhibition. Um, this fight is going to make a lot of money because you know Logan Paul, you know he, he's a YouTuber, you know he's very popular, and Floyd Mayweather is the most popular boxer on the planet right now. Um, uh, It'd be interesting to see what they're going to put on uh, on the car. But if, if this is what we're going to do, I mean, let's go hard. I mean, Floyd's going to make a lot of money for this. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know, he's going to make a lot of money. But if you want, if, if you're just fighting for the casual fans, let's go far. Let's go. If you're going to fight somebody who's outweighing you, who's basically a cruiserweight, uh, and just to, you know, for casual fans to tune in, let's take it farther. You know what the next fight should be? Let's put that. Let's 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 go. Let's go hard. The best ever. And this is just for the casual fans. It's not for us boxing fans. You know they don't fight for us. Anyway, like not on that level. So, the best ever. Floyd Money Mayweather versus the baddest man on the planet, Mike Tyson. That's a, a two hundred million dollar fight right there. That's a three million pay per view at least, at the very least. Of course, as a boxing fan, it's silly. But as a casual fan, people are going to want to tune in. You know, people who think that, you know, Mike Tyson is the best heavyweight ever and Floyd Mayweather is the best boxer ever. It's the most, one of the most marketing fights that could probably be made as an exhibition fight. Um, of course, Mike Tyson is not going to literally try to hurt Floyd Mayweather. But it's always that question mark, you know, and that's what's going to make people want to tune in. So we're going to do this. We're going to have a freak show. Let's have a freak show that's worth it. Let's have a freak show that's going to make lots of money. It'll make a lot of money for Floyd Mayweather. And I know Floyd Mayweather, if this thought has ever been brought up, if, if he knew how much money this would make, he's probably salivating at that very thought. Because, of course, he can, you know, he can easily move around Mike Tyson, but it's always that question mark. And for the, the average casual fan, this will probably be one of the biggest pay-per-views ever. <laughs> Money Mayweather, the best ever versus the baddest man on the planet, Mike Tyson. Chalk it up. That would be um, be the worst decision, Floyd May- Mayweather. <laughs> what Floyd should do is he should just, and this is what he's going to do. He's going to beat Logan Paul, and then Logan Paul's brother is going to enter that ring, and he's going to be talking crazy to Floyd. And that's going to set up another fight. So he's going to get two huge paydays. He's already looking at looking at that, and and um, because his brother was it Jake. Jake talked a good game. <laughs> Jake said that his brother can catch them hands. You know what I mean? If he get to talking too crazy, and so that's you know the type of stuff that he say. And he ha- he doesn't have a filter, and that's going to lead to that next matchup. That's all Floyd is looking for is the you know a name that's going to give him the least resistance. But again. A person like Floyd, I have no problem with him doing it because of the fact of the work that he put in before and how he marketed himself. It's just more so 
when you're in the sport and you haven't proven yourself and you're trying to take that approach, that's different. You have to put you have to put in the work first and then I can see you being in position to pick and choose because you, now you can, you know, just benefit off the fruits of your labor. But you have to put in that labor first. Anything else we want to address before we wrap things up? Now, nah, just tune in next week. Man, tune in next week. Also, don't forget to go on YouTube. Look up our channel, Last Ones at the Bar. It's a segmented portion of our show. And so you can get, you know, some of the topics that we discuss. And it may be one particular topic that you're interested in. You can click on there. But just make sure you go there first. Go ahead and hit the like button and then also hit the subscribe button. On that note, we out. Much respect. Peace.